Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Welcome to it, the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination right here on the magical 101.9 FM, of course, high FM. So it's uh, wonderful to be with you on this Thursday, and I'm really excited about the conversations that we're going to be having um, over the next hour. We're going to be talking about aesthetics, and that's kind of like cosmetic treatment. We're going to be looking at that, but we're also going to be looking at that in relation to cancer and um, cancer treatments. And then we're going to be talking about navigating um, the loss of a partner, whether that's a loss, um, you know, breaking up of a relationship or losing someone, someone who passes. So it's going to be lots happening on the show today. Um, and just a reminder that if for any reason you have to stop listening, you don't have to worry because we do podcast the show and uh, probably by tomorrow this time it will be on the Chai FM website. You'll be able to catch the show. But I'd like to introduce our first guest, Dr. Riza Mir, who is an aesthetics expert and owner of Anti-Aging Art Medical Aesthetic and Holistic Wellness Center. Um, uh, Dr. Mir, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start off with the most obvious question. When we look at aesthetic medicine, I mean, are we just talking about Botox and fillers? What, what actually encompasses aesthetic medicine? Botox or botulinum toxin and filler are some of the tools that we use uh, in aesthetic medical treatments. The way we like to think of it, if you wanted to put it into a broad definition, was anything that you could use uh, non-surgically with a minimal or minimally invasive approach, so injectables, machines, chemical peels, microneedling with uh, certain active ingredients. You know, these are the things that we can use to work on skin, hair, uh, and body, as well as injectables to work on fat, fatty volume, and skin tightening. So it's the collection of all of those treatments that have come together over time to form what we call aesthetic medicine. Wow. Okay. So that's quite broad. And, um, and as I mentioned to the audience, we are going to be looking, um, you know, how that would impact and, 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 and support people who are going through cancer treatments. Um, but first and foremost, uh, Dr. Mia, can anyone, just anyone practice aesthetic medicine because it's not, uh, you know, it's non-surgical and it's this non-invasive approach? I mean, can anyone offer Botox and fillers and, and everything else that you mentioned? So any medical doctor that goes through the additional training to handle these products, as you can imagine, it's not something that uh, receives a lot of attention in medical school. And even in many of the specializations, they do not really uh, go into depth and into detail about these treatments. So additional uh, studying is necessary. The reason it's important to go to doctors and not to get it through, uh, you know, a, a beautician or someone else is because there are side effects. And we need to be able to treat those side effects. And that's the difference between having any types of treatments done to your skin in a medical setting versus outside of one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and, uh, but I mean, there, there is an art involved, isn't there? So I suppose, and, and I'm, what I'm really clearing, um, or trying to bring clarity here to is, is that if you have studied it and you practice, um, you obviously want to go to someone who has a lot of experience because it's not just about, um, apply, you know, injecting. There, there, there's an art. And, and if it's done properly, then you're not going to have complications. I mean, we look at these terrible shows with botches and people who go to the extreme. extreme. Perhaps you can just speak to that. Well, you're speaking my language because we have a motto here called Art Meets Science. And it's exactly that. It's to go ahead with treatments with the understanding and with the appreciation that there's a heavy uh, artistic component. And so when new doctors are starting to do this type of treatment and they ask me for advice, I'll always say to them, go and work uh, on something artistic, develop that side of your brain, understand what beauty is, because you can't make somebody pretty if you don't know what pretty is, because you won't know when to stop with the treatment. And so... Mm developing the artistic side through sculpting or music or martial arts or anything artistic does actually make you a better aesthetic doctor. Now, the thing is, there's two types of side effects or unwanted effects that you could think about. The first one is when nothing actually goes wrong with the product. It's just been put into the wrong place or there's been too much or the incorrect product has been put in. And then you end up with an unpleasing result where people don't really look better or look pretty or good looking or youthful or healthy. And that's really a fail when it comes to aesthetic medical treatments, because that's why you're doing the treatments. Mm. So the side effects that can still occur, are obviously the ones that can uh, happen because you've put a needle into somebody's skin. So things like bruising, there's a risk of infection. If um, managed, these can be obviously very minimal risks. And more recently, people have been uh, discovering or seeing more of the side effects that involve injection into blood vessels. Now, again, there's ways that we can mitigate these risks. So by using very small amounts of filler at one setting so as not to create too much swelling, by injecting at the right level, in the right position, uh, again, using safer products and making sure that we're not injecting under high pressure, you can reduce that risk considerably. So if I can give you some statistics the risk of uh, vascular injury uh, or intravascular injection with fillers is about one in 2,000. But if you follow these simple rules of de-risking, that goes down considerably. I think we've done now, you know, we, we tried to estimate the other day looking at number of patients we see per day and number of years we've been open. It was more than 60,000 treatments. Wow. And the thing is, we haven't had any vascular. So there's, you know, I would say it's then less than one in 60,000 because we don't know if that will ever happen. And hopefully following these uh, safer injection techniques, we will never have one of these. But again, the risk can never be zero. What does a vascular injury look like? Depending on whether you're injecting into an artery or into a vein, it can look different. So when you get into a vein, you can have a backlog of pressure uh, the skin will start to go red, it will start to go purple, and it's the easier and safer one to to manage or to encounter. If it's arterial, the danger here is not only obstructing blood flow to a certain area, which can kill the skin, but it can track up the artery and go into a bifurcation, then flow down that artery into another area like 
like the eye or the brain, for example, and then you're looking at serious consequences. Mm-hmm. So again, keeping the injection volumes low, especially when you're in the higher risk areas, prevents this from happening. And I, and I think that what we're what we're stressing here, I mean, obviously, as you say, sixty thousand you've done, and there have been no vascular injuries. Is that you know, the, the aesthetic um, treatments can be expensive, and sometimes we can want to go where we're getting a great price. And it's not to say that you're not going to get the best treatment at a good price, but to rather be determined by the by the qualification and perhaps the experience of the person as opposed to. The price? I think that's a good starting point. The other thing to look at is, you know, what have they done before? Some before and afters are useful, but it's not, it shouldn't be the be all and end all of how you make your decision. It's important to speak to people who have been to the doctor, see what they look like. You know, if they look crazy and they say, oh, my doctor's really good, you have to start to wonder how much they understand about aesthetics. So this is, this is the thing. It's to take a holistic approach so that you can get the best value. And the thing is, we don't advertise prices because it's not legal for us to advertise prices. If you see uh, a doctor advertising the price of their botulinum toxin or their fillers, they're actually breaking the rules. And again, that should be an alarm bell going off in your head. If they're breaking that rule, what other rules are they willing to break? Yeah. So, yeah. That gives people the perception that it's very pricey. Like when you look in the auto trader, you know, the best cars never have the prices. So it's not <laughs> like that. It's almost like um, if I could liken it to going to the shops and buying a good set of skincare products, you're looking at about the same amount of money per session. Okay. We're going to take a a quick break. After the break, I just want to speak to very quickly about, you mentioned safer products. Um, So I just want to talk about that. Um, Yeah. And we'll be right back. Sure. Please stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thank you so much for staying with us. I have Dr. Riza Mia on the show today, aesthetic expert and owner of Anti-Aging Art Medical Aesthetic and Holistic Wellness Center. Um, Riza, just before the break, um, I asked about you know, what is the meaning behind safer product? Are there good products? Are there bad products on the market? So the first thing is to rely on tried and tested products. There's so many new types of filler brands out there that we don't really know enough about. We like the ones that are reliable, that have been studied, that have been done millions of times around the world. And that way we know there's a predictable or more predictable outcome. When it comes to toxins, there's only three toxins in this country that have been registered. And anything else, you know, it's main, the main brands that we know. But these smaller brands, especially the ones that look like they've just fallen off the back of a truck, more often than not have fallen off the back of a truck. And so you can't really use them. You don't know what you're injecting. And that can range anywhere from saline to extremely concentrated toxin. There was an incident in Turkey recently where uh, there was a hospital that had gotten hold of some sort of gray uh, botulinum toxin. And these patients had to go into ICU because the toxin spread into their body and affected their lungs and they couldn't breathe and they had to be put onto ventilators. And so the results, trying to save a few bucks can cost you a lot, uh, including your life. 
So what I say to patients is, you know, don't sacrifice your, when it comes to your face and your hair and your body. You rather buy one less handbag, spend less on clothes, because if you're looking good and healthy, you know, you can wear anything and everybody will think that's what we should be wearing. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for the explanation. So now we've all got a good understanding and a good foundation of aesthetic medicine, how it works. Now let's bring it into within the context of cancer and cancer treatments. So let's start off with individuals who are undergoing chemotherapy, for example, and they're experiencing hair loss. Is there, is there any way through aesthetic treatments that can help the scalp regrow the hair or or, or manage the hair loss? So there's so many important things to speak about when it comes to this, but if I can try to remember all of them. The first <laughs> one is um, let's look at the survivability of chemotherapy. It's not something that you're guaranteed to survive, number one. But there's some very interesting studies that have been done over the years, and one of them that I like shows that the simple act of wearing lipstick to your chemo appointment makes people feel better. And when that happens, it improves the immunity and there's a higher survival rate for people who wear lipstick to their chemotherapy. So wow. looking good is not something to be thought of as, oh, that's just superficial and silly. It actually makes an imprint in your brain, changes your body chemistry and changes your survivability. So that's a very important thing to look after yourself. And that's why we want people to look their best so they feel their best. When it comes to the hair, I wouldn't really suggest that anybody treat the hair loss while they're still on the chemo because it's an ongoing process. It's not likely to actually give you any good results. So in those cases, we rather suggest they use a, a wig to keep themselves feeling, uh, you know, healthy and not to take the sick role as, as deep into themselves. Mm -hmm. But following that, definitely we can work with uh, platelet-rich plasma, which we make from their blood and we microneedle it into the skin and the growth factors in there can give you vasoendothelial growth factors. So the blood vessels grow back and the platelet-derived growth factors will then stimulate the hair roots themselves. So as long as there wasn't, you know, destruction of the hair follicles, which is more likely in radiation, for example, mm -hmm. there will be a positive um, response to it, to the treatments that we use. We also use an external growth factor that we microneedle into the skin of, of your scalp to get the hair to grow back. Hmm. So, so the, the, the key point here is this is something that you would do after the chemotherapy, after the treatment. I do love what you say though about putting on lipstick and going there and feeling good and, and, and you know, how it changes your attitude and I suppose people's attitudes towards you are, I'm sure people listening, it can be quite challenging when you're feeling so physically ill, but I think it's such a, such an important point, really. Um, I'd like to just talk also about breast reconstruction, um, Reza, um, after a, a, a mastectomy, um, if there are any aesthetic procedures that can contribute to improving the overall appearance and symmetry. So that's mainly something that we would send people to plastic surgeons for, especially uh, there are some plastic surgeons that we work with who are primarily involved in this breast reconstruction. Afterwards, though, when it comes to the scarring, we can help with the scarring. We can smooth it out with topical and, and injectable treatments. And we can refer them for tattooing. You know, oftentimes doing a 3D tattoo over uh, a reconstructed breast can 
simulate a nipple, for example, and it looks it looks fairly normal. So it's these small little things that we can take step by step and work with the patients. And just as we proceed, we get more uh, of a result. But it's so different. You know, each patient is different. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, we also know that um, with certain radiation treatment and the damage that can be done to the skin, is that something that you can work on as well? Yes, for sure. So when there's destruction to the collagen and the integrity and structure of the skin, we then restore that using things like redermalization, biostimulants, platelet-rich plasma. And what this all means, I know these are long words, but <laughs> basically we're making more collagen, making elastin and healing the skin on different levels. Where there's a pigmentation damage, then we'll use chemical peels and topical creams to also work on restoring the skin back to its natural color. Fantastic. Wow. And and I'm just trying to think, I mean, is there anything else that you can think of that I haven't thought of for people who are listening to the show, who are going through treatment or perhaps post-treatment? Um, and um, yeah, they, they, they want to start looking good and feeling good back to normal. Anything that you can think of that I, that I haven't covered? Lisa? You know, one of the things that I really like about aesthetic medicine is apart from the actual treatments is the psychology behind it why people do it why it's beneficial and how it changes their lives and these are often very significant they make a much bigger impact than people realize so it's a lot to talk about uh, on one go but i think the best place to look it up is on my instagram it's drreza.sa if you scroll through the videos there's something called the psychology of aesthetics. And I basically describe and talk through the different uh, studies that have been done. And it's all backed in science. So I'm not scared to bring it up, even though sometimes it sounds a little bit controversial from what we normally would expect people to say, because the studies have been done and there's, there's actual scientific fact to back the things that I've said. But for example, you know, when it comes to looking after yourself, feeling better, it does make you healthier. It does make you live a better life because people will treat you differently when they deem you to be attractive. And it doesn't matter who it is or what they say to you or what their criteria on paper is of how they'll treat you or how they say they'll treat you. If you are attractive, they'll be nicer to you. They'll be more lenient with you. They'll be more giving with you. And there's, there's a nice study that shows that people who are, again, seen as attractive earn on average, um, more to the extent that it's the same as if they had had an extra master's degree. So let's say you had a no master's. Being attractive will earn you as much as having a master's. And if you had a master's, it would be the same as if you had two masters. So it's not to be uh, frowned upon. It's or, or uh, literally not to be frowned upon. <laughs> Excuse the pun, but wow. it's not to be neglected. It's an element of your being in your existence that can make a big impact on your life. And I know that seems unfair, but I actually see it the other way. I think that nowadays we, it's as, it's more fair than it's ever been in history. Because if you were born a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, how you looked is how you looked. You could gym to look better. You could exercise, but your face was kind of your face, you know, makeup evolved because of this. But now we actually have an ability to change and to level the playing field so that anybody can reach that level that they, that they want to reach. Wow. You know, I mean, 
my response to what you've said is to want to resist everything that you've said. <laughs> because I want to, I want to, I live in a world where I want to go beyond the surface of someone's skin and I want to see into their soul and I want to connect with them because as you've said, not everyone is born beautiful with these perfect aesthetics. And so for us to be able to relate with one another on that level is so important. But having said that, I think I have to call a spade a spade. And I mean, we do live in a world with, you know, the social media where everyone's projecting their perfect selves. And so, yeah, if we want to operate in this very material um, kind of world where we are adored or recognized or esteemed by how we look. And if we want to play that game, then we have to look a certain way. And I would go so far as to say that maybe it's, it's, it's not the one or the other. I always like to go back to the balance. It's the and and the and because I think that any extreme, Amriza, um, if you're so obsessed with how you look and you're so obsessed with trying to keep up with the Joneses and be accepted, I think it could come as a, as a, uh, you know, your mental health can suffer. But if you feel good about yourself and how you look, it could be very good for your mental health. So I'm going to go back to it's the and and the and, the middle road, the, the, the you know, being okay with yourself internally and being with you okay with yourself externally. As you said, it's not something we can discuss so quickly. I suppose we can debate it and talk about it. But the bottom line is there's choice here and um, the options. Um, and we need to, yeah, with educating ourselves and knowing what's out there, we, we can certainly um, use all of those options. I think definitely we, we obviously want to interact with people on a deeper level. You know, we have no choice but to interact with the energy when you see them in person. But when you're watching someone, as you say, over social media or from a distance, you can't feel their energy. You will basically see and work with your eyes. And so that's why it's such an important thing because often the first interaction you have with someone is through, through that vision. And you know what? I know it, it's like I said, it seems unfair, but there were studies done with examiners and these were people marking exam papers of students in universities. And it wasn't to carry favor. You know, they were never going to meet these students. So it wasn't like they were trying to generate some kind of future prospects for themselves. They were simply looking at a picture which was told, they told them it was attached to the paper for identification purposes. They'd mark the papers, then they switched all the pictures around. But before they'd done this, they had stratified those pictures and put them into attractive and unattractive columns. And what they found was that the average of each of those changed. I forget what the exact uh, percentage was, but when they switched the papers, those same groups of examiners marked the papers differently. So the same answers but it was a different picture. And so mm. our brains are geared very deeply and very psychologically to make uh, adjustments to how we deal with people based on how they look. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. You know, we are wired that way. If you just had to look at those wonderful David Attenborough documentaries on nature and you see those beautiful tropical birds, you know, that's the best color in the dance. It is, we are we are wired that way. It's quite interesting. And I'm going to again say, I think our work is to go beyond 
surface as well. So it's the and and. How interesting, Riza, and I thank you so much for your time and for so clearly explaining to our audience, you know, the options that are available and especially for those who have, who are going through or still, um, you know, who have gone through treatment and are looking for aesthetics on that level and for those who haven't but are interesting, interested in aesthetics and, and perhaps dabbling and, and feeling and looking good. So we thank you and we appreciate your time. Only a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Take care, Dr. Reza. Have a nice day. Thank Thanks you. Thanks and you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Owner of the Anti-Aging Art Medical Aesthetics and Holistic Wellness Center in Joburg. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. I'd love to know. You know, to feel good about yourself, to feel confident, to look in the mirror and feel good, feels good, right? And, you know, how important is it? And how important is it when you meet another person? And do you have to be beautiful to look beautiful? And do you have to look beautiful to feel good? <laughs> I think it's a fascinating conversation. And I think that the science and the research behind how we're judging one another by how they look um, favorably or unfavorably, wow, that speaks volumes. And as Riza said, Dr. Mia said, you know, now we now have, you know, these these treatments at our disposal to perhaps tweak things that we're not that happy with. I mean, I'm thinking about aging and looking at the mirror and seeing wrinkles appear that weren't there. And do I want to fix those, uh, those um, creases in my skin or do I see them as part of me? Wow, we can have ongoing debates. Certainly, absolutely fascinating.